It's a very special Baby Friday this morning because the Masters are about to be in full swing. You got the Maple Leafs back, including Ryan O'Reilly. And the Blue Jays finishing their trip to Kansas City. Lots to look forward to today. It's the Fan Morning Show with Justin and Ailish, and there's a buzz in the studio. The Masters. A wonderfully spread out sports day. This is what sports radio dreams are made of, or at least for <laughs> sports radio hosts. You know, we get the get a Boston, Toronto all by oh. itself. You get a standalone Jays and you get the Masters littered throughout. I just realized though, a little bit of a scheduling conflict with us here today. We not have... that I regret anything. Mm, that's good. But we're gonna be hanging out at the Rogers Center after mm-hmm. the show. We're ripping down the Rogers Center. We have about 30 minutes to make it from Mount Pleasant and Bloor to the Rogers Center at 9 a.m. on a Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. Wish us well because we're using ways for sure. Well, you're the Torontonian. It's probably Subway move, no? What are you going to do with your car? Leave it here? Yeah. I haven't thought that far ahead. Nonetheless, we have 30 minutes to count down. It's like the Amazing Race Canada, mm-hmm. Toronto edition. Because if we're late, they're not letting us in. Because there's a big ribbon-cutting ceremony at the Rogers Centre this morning. We're going to get a chance to tour all the new spots. I can't wait. I've been fired up about this. Going online, zooming in on the renderings. Oh, where's that? Let's go check out that. <laughs> Ooh, that looks fun. Where's that hot dog stand? <laughs> I wonder if that's going to be open. Nonetheless, they're letting the media in, and we're going to get an opportunity to go down, see the Rogers Center up close and personal before they have the grand unveiling on Tuesday. There's a massive ribbon that will be cut. I believe it is foul pole to foul pole. Mm. It's a hefty ribbon. I feel ribbon. like a lot of time and effort went into getting foul pole Foul pole to foul pole ribbon yeah, Where do you order assembly. that? It's not Probably, Party it's City. It's not an Amazon thing, no, I don't no. think. Not Alibaba, not DHgate. These are, uh, you don't know these ones for sure. Uh, You've heard. I know of them. I'm not. Okay. Uh, no Party City special order. You're no. getting a foul pole this to foul pole. This is a custom pole. ribbon. It's going to be big. And we're going to be there up close and personal. But we will also be there for a few hours. Masters will be going on. I wonder if we can request that they put the Masters up on the video board. I wouldn't board. be surprised <laughs> if that's actually a scenario that uh, that uh, introduces itself. I, uh, we, you know, we'll have Rogers Wi-Fi and we'll be, we'll be all right. Hey, you know, we'll we have Rogers Ignite. We'll figure it out. All right. We got a hell of a day ahead. But uh, happy Baby Friday to you all. And I guess... With Thursday, it means that, Justin, we need an update on your beer league Wednesday night team. You always always have to do this. I mean, I I guess... It's important. I know you're coming down uh, to the wire here. Yeah, I want to spread out some content a little bit, but it was a semifinal yesterday. Mm -hmm. No no attention brought to it yesterday. A little nerves on the show. I didn't even know if you'd be playing. Why not? You know, you're just jet-lagged and... Well, I felt a little jet lag. I got to be malaria. honest. But while I was on vacation, the team stepped up. It's a double uh, double knockout for, uh, format. We lost the first game, so without you, no, 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 with me. Oh, <laughs> so they had to win to stay alive. I see. Without me, this wasn't part uh, of that. Fortunately, they did a big three nothing victory. Just like the perfect trap up Ducks game. Uh, like the, the boys feeling really good. We're going to a championship, and uh, I think the other team hasn't lost yet. Yeah, what's so the, uh, it's is not it next really week? fair. Like they're like they can not they only fair. get to lose once. Not fair. Well, they've just been running the table through the. What are they the, like? Former pros? Why is it not fair that they're just better? No, it's not fair for them because 
it's a double knockout. We've already lost once. They haven't lost at all, and we beat them once. If we just even it up. You're like the play interner for the the NBA. Yeah, we are. It's kind of exactly like that. We're kind of where the Raptors are at, where we had to win a couple in a row to get there, but uh, we've done that. Is it uh, next week? Next week. Oh, my God, Justin. It was mad at me last night, too. Oh, my. In the big lights in the city? Why didn't you invite me? I would have come. Because I knew it was probably going to be a tough scene for me. Yeah, you're. I was also a little a bitter, bit behind, bitter yesterday. Sam McKee comes in, golf guys in studio. You guys are talking about a beer league, and I'm like, "Hey, I'll play." And it's just like, no. Was, Sam was just like, "Nah." He's actually like, "You play?" Yeah. Like, you? Like, he looked you look up like and down play? and said, "You play?" I, I like you know. didn't have an athletic bone in your body. If you look at me and Sam side by side, I feel like Sam I is about they, seven feet tall. Exactly. I think they pick me as the hockey player and him as well, one the golf guy, but. You know, maybe basketball player. He clearly didn't basketball see basketball player in high school. Yeah, yeah. He clearly didn't see when you ran kids. the beep test that one time. I know Sam's not paying attention. You're an athlete. Offended. Don't take it personally, but definitely take that into next week's game, your championship, and dominate and say, "Screw you, Sam McKee." Hopefully, if I get a penalty shot in the championship game like I did yesterday, it goes better. Just right into the crest. Just hammered one into the crest. You Alex Kerfooted it. I was tired though. It was like a you know full shift at the end. Yeah, but you get a second to catch your breath. Barely. You just went down and ripped it at the crest. Essentially. Not even like a head fade. I decided beforehand I'm just going to get as close as possible and try and rip a top corner and just completely missed. No, I have one move and one move only. Come down to my off wing. Mm -hmm. So down the right side of the ice is lefty. Fake shot, pull across, roof it on the forehand. It is the only move I do, and it Mm -hmm. has a quite... I would say a pretty good, high good success, success rate. rate. Good success rate at Mattamy. Mm-hmm. That's the that's, that's the what move. I'm always thinking about. That I'm like, if you're scouting, you just know that I'm going to do that, but I'll do it regardless. Okay. Anyway, well, t- now that you have hey, a team, feel free to try it. Now that you have a team, with free tips Sam for McKee, you. <laughs> that's right. You can use your move. Well, I'm not back on the ice for a long time, but you are. Best of luck next week. We'll be cheering you on and the uh, the Ducks or whatever your name is. Thank you, Alex. Okay, Blue Jays last night, 3 nothing win over the Royals. Um, the bounce back Alec Manoa start that we all wanted. The and- more important 3 nothing victory went to the Blue Jays. Oh, I don't know. It's hand-in-hand. Hand, yeah. It is only game number six of 162, and ours was you know second to last, but probably a little bit more important. We see Alec Manoa go seven innings, uh, one hit, five strikeouts, and four walks. He threw 61 strikes on 98 pitches, and he's now 4-0 against the Royals in his career. Hmm. Very interesting. I think they're calling this one the reverse Gosman. Are they? A little bit more. Are fort- they calling that, or are you calling I'm, that? I'm calling that the <laughs> reverse Gosman because he wasn't sharp from Alec Manoa. Like that's if you're through two starts for him, you're looking at them and you're like, ah, this is not you know the guy who finished third in the Cy Young last year, not the guy who might be able to break through in that department this year. But hard hit balls, <laughs> they don't mean really anything because they all went mm-hmm. to fielders who were able to eat them up, and that's the reverse Gosman because Gosman's getting all this weird contact. Uh, batters off balance and he's doing all these things and yet it still seems to find turf uh with alec manoa though like only giving up one hit uh if, if there's an expected hits which i guarantee there is i'm not you know a, a baseball analytics Murphy. savant but <laughs> uh i'm sure it was more than one because he was getting hit around just a little bit but if the defense is placed correctly and manoa is at least competitive enough you get lucky, you get a result like that where you can put, put up a shutout, go through seven innings, and uh, help the Blue Jays get a victory, get back to 500. 
We've got a couple clips uh, post-game from both Benoa and Schneider talking about uh, the bounce back or the step in the right direction. Um, here's Manoa himself talking about his start last night on Wednesday. Yeah, I think attacking, you know, just uh, going out there and um, letting that defense work, you know. So I think I was able to do that. Um, was able to go out there and uh, command most of my pitches and for the most part, you know, uh, forcing them to dig out of a hole, you know. So um, still left some some pitches that I feel like, you know, uh, command-wise need to be a little bit better. Um, but, you know, it was a good day on the mound and the boys got to win, so we're good. Boys got to win. What was that? We had a clip from like last week with like the boys beat boys or something. I forget. You weren't here. Mm. Gunning clipped it. It was a good one. I'll talk to Josh after. But the boys got to win. That's all that matters. Alec Manoa. Um, but you mentioned it. He didn't have, it wasn't like a seamless, uh, easy, no contentious effort. Like there were some moments where he had to work himself out of jams. Um, John Schneider did talk about that uh, positive reflection on Manoa being able to work through some of those moments and get himself out of jams. I think it's the red shorts he's rocking right now. I'm not quite <laughs> sure, but um, I mean, he's, he's, he's a fiery competitor. You know, he understands the situation, the games. He doesn't want to come out, um, you know, kind of has a different gear. And, you know, we've seen it a lot. We saw it last year, saw it again tonight. But he's, you know, you trust him in those spots. You know, he's, um, you know, the competitive aspect really comes out there. I mean, that's kind of the Alec Minow experience. Competitor, he obviously wasn't quite pleased with his start last week and an opportunity to flush that, as we said. Now Bassett will have that opportunity and Burrios will have that opportunity in the next couple of days. But if you're looking at this uh, last two sample size plus Gosman's start last week, Gosman back on the mound tonight, I think we can slowly feel... Things are going in the right direction. Just gotta let the boys be the boys. That's it. Let the boys be the boys. There you go. That's Manoa. Gotta let the boys be no, the boys. No, it isn't Manoa. It's um, oh Todd Frazier. Yeah, he oh, was a beauty. Wow. Okay. You gotta let the boys be the boys. I have no idea the context. Whatever. There, how it's that a came great up, drop, that's, though. That's a good drop, and we'll, and we'll keep that in the holster. <laughs> uh, yeah, everything's starting to even out already. Like you know, I was maybe a little uh, upset after the weekend just because. You know, and again, I put it out there, Not it's not about the results necessarily. It's about the things we saw and the things that we were worried about, or at least I was worried about coming in. But this is a long season. Things balance out, and things balance out already. Uh, the, the Blue Jays now 3-3 three and, three and three on the season. Only one run allowed in the last two games. It's 34 one runs mm-hmm. allowed in the first four games. So even though it hasn't been like, yeah, we've seen here in Kansas City, Barrios, Kikuchi, and Manoa, I wouldn't say any of the starts were dominant. Uh, it seems like Barrios was punished a little bit more for his mistakes, but there were probably more mistakes than Kikuchi and Manoa made. But if you're pitching and you're competitive and you're giving yourself uh, a chance to let your defense help you, uh, that's what we've seen in the last two starts. And the things that were dropping in, notably for Gosman, uh, weren't dropping in as much for Kikuchi and Manoa, who got some help out there and now have put the, the Jays in position to get back over 500 mm-hmm. with their probably their definitely best wipeout guy on the mound and a wipeout guy like Gosman against a team like Kansas City like I like the Blue Jays chances in that even if the uh whoever Gosman pissed off is you know, still <laughs> controlling things. Uh Jays 3 and 3 they're back on the mound today Kansas City Royals who are 1 and 5. This is a 2 p.m. game. Um Kevin Gosman as you mentioned and Jordan Lyles this was on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 590 fan, and of course streaming on sportsnet.ca slash 590 and the Sportsnet app. Now I was listening to post-game Jay's talk, which you should always check out with Blair and Barker. 
And they mentioned something important. It's like, yeah, okay, it's a sample size that's small, but you're not going to lose the division early on. But you don't want to be playing from behind for the first two, three months. And I don't know if you've taken a look, but the Rays are 6-0. and I don't want to look. The Yankees are 4-2, and but the Rays are 6-0, and and I haven't had the hardest schedule to start if you mm-hmm. look at their opponents, like, for sure, but they're I capitalizing. Saw t- I saw a tweet like, yeah, the, the Rays might not lose until this date, and it was like... They might come into... Like, that's, that's a little much. I mean, it's early on in the season, but uh, that tweet but turned they, out to be prophetic They go play because... the, the Athletics, then mm-hmm. they play the Red Sox, and then they come into town to play the Blue Jays. So they could seriously be... Uh, Looking like a scary record coming into, and I know this is again, it's not the hardest of opponents, but it just gives a team a little a level of confidence. And if you get out on the right foot and you start your season eleven to two, I think you're pretty feeling pretty good about yourself. Yeah, I'm not going to criticize the opponents because this is the time of year where, yeah, there might be some rust on one of your pitchers, mm-hmm. or there might be just some things that you're still trying to work through because spring training wasn't perfect, or you went to the World Baseball Classic and you had a little bit of a setback. Uh, you know, these wins. When are these wins mean just as much as the ones at the end of the season? Uh, but it's more excusable, at least it seems, that you might drop games now. And I don't know if we're excusing them for St. Louis. St. Louis looks like a really good team. Uh, probably be a little disappointed if they lost three of four mm-hmm. against Kansas City. But now they have the opportunity to take three of four. Yeah, you don't want to fall behind too much, but that's what the Tampa Bay Rays do. And you know, some it'll all balance out for them, but they pitch. And if you pitch, you're going to put yourself in position, especially against bad teams, uh, to win a lot of ball games. And that's exactly what they're doing. Vladdy, an opposite field home run in the eighth inning, his first of the season, uh, traveled 389 feet. And we got to see a real life version of what the home run jacket would be with like real stakes. Mm-hmm. Vladdy comes in the dugout. Everyone's high-fiving. He gets to the end of the dugout, and he puts on a invisible home run jacket. Or he has gifted the invisible home run jacket on what his is shoulders. That, is that a protest? What do you think's going on I don't on know. There? And they had a little smirk, and everyone giggled, and they went on about their day. Mm. And I thought, uh, oh. My, my theory has been, so the first home run was Bichette's, and it was in a loss yeah, and a, a nothing one. moment. And it's like, okay, they're not. They're going to wait. But after the Vladdy home run. Well, Varsho like, had one, right? But it was his first one, and everyone ignored him. As, right. Like, on, on purpose, right? They uh, did the thing where they didn't cheer for him. I think something's probably going to get unveiled at uh, at Rogers Center. Oh, so you think they'll wait till they're home? Yeah, or they're just going to do nothing, and Vladdy will do the fake home run jacket all year long because it was kind of like the, it was he like he likes the home run jacket. It was kind of cute, like oh look, we're serious. We're not going to put anything on, but we're just going to pretend that we put something on. It was like Michael Bunting zipping his mouth to the refs and being like. Hmm? I'm not engaging. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, just thought it was interesting. Um, a little cheeky from Vlad. Yes, a little cheeky, a little fake home run jacket, but great to see that he's been, uh, his pitch selection has been really good as of late. Um, he's got five walks in the first six games, I believe. He's, Barker, he's choosing. Barker said that with us yesterday, like he's trying to walk, and it's like he kind of said that with like a, a little bit of a negative mm-hmm. tone. Uh, you know, it... I'm not, you know, he knows more about hitting than I'll ever know. But if that's the first priority is to be selective and to Mm -hmm. make sure you're getting your pitch, you're going to be putting yourself in a position where you are helping the team at the plate. And right now, I mean, you can't really knock Vladdy uh, at the plate to start his season. I mean, his patience, his awareness, his ability to not waste at bats has been at a premium right now. And now that patience looks like it's paying off a little bit. Him getting his his first home run of the season, and uh, hopefully that momentum can continue. But if the if the default is to get on base, I'm okay with that. 
Here is John Schneider talking about Vladdy's first home run of the season. Yeah, I mean, we were laughing. If one of those didn't leave, whether it was him, Chappie, you know, George just missed one. It's, uh, that's tough to do in this ballpark, this weather. Um, yeah, kind of Vladdy. It's, that's impressive. That's, uh, that's Vladdy being Vladdy right there. Vladdy being Vladdy. That's a great, a great thing to have early on in the season, especially when you're about to hit the road to L.A. and then come back home. You've got to let the boys be the boys. Let the boys be the boys. The boys were the boys in the middle of the lineup there. It wasn't only Vlad's home run that mm-hmm. helped the Blue Jays uh, secure that victory. Three straight hits for the Blue Jays from the meat of the order, which has been very, very impressive. Vlad, Varsho, and Chapman. All of them had an exit velocity of 107.9 miles per hour off the bat. So they were just absolutely locked in on Taylor Clark. I believe it was in the eighth inning. It was seventh, eighth. I think it was the eighth inning. Anyway, three really hard hit balls in the row, in a row, producing two runs and giving Jordan Romano that little extra cushion, which uh, is always needed when you're on the mound and trying to secure a save and a victory. Um, all right. I'm trying to think if there's anything else you want to run through with Jays. Um, yeah, we said it. Chapman and Varsho have been pretty damn good to start the season. We will talk to our buddy, Dan Schulman, who's going to join us, run through all this. We'll ask him what, what we should look for today at the Rogers Center. Yeah, I mean, I just just on Varsho, like continuing to impress. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many tools, like the five-tool player. I don't know if he's an eight-tool player. I don't know if he has a couple extra than, uh, than what we normally associate with a very well-rounded player. But it seems like we've seen everything that we've done, well, that he does well, through the first six games of the season. I think it was the base running on display a little bit last night with Varsho just always finding a way to help this team win. Uh, I'm unbelievably impressed by this kid and in his start. It's been really, really, really positive. And I, I don't know if he's going to be the cleanup guy all year round, but I kind of want to him want to mm-hmm. see him and Chapman back to back. Battle it out. These, they're staring into each other's eyes and they're supporting each other uh, out there on the diamond because they've been a really lethal one-two punch. And if those two guys do what they've been doing behind mm-hmm. Vlad, I mean, that's going to be a really dangerous and treacherous uh, little bit of the lineup to get through if you're an opposing pitcher. Yep. Chapman currently leads the MLB with 12 hits and he's had multiple hits in four of six games this season. So he's looking Looking pretty good. And strong returns, uh, too, from Eric Swanson. He looked sharp again last night. I mean, mm-hmm. he's really the only material change to the bullpen. And we talked all offseason long about how the bullpen has to be better. So that all hinges other than, like, internal development, which I'm not really sure we're going to see much internal development from the Jays. Like, the the relievers are who they are. So that, that strength or that increase in strength comes down and falls on the shoulders basically on Eric Swanson, and I think he's answered the bell early on the season. I thought he was really good last night. All right, Jays wrap up their series with the Royals 2 p.m. today. You can catch that on all of your Sportsnet streaming, viewing, and listening platforms. The other game last night that we were tuned into were the Toronto Raptors, and they disappointed losing to the Boston Celtics 97-93, a very important game to win specifically because the Boston Celtics were a shell of themselves last night. They were also on a back-to-back as the Raptors were as well. And they play again tomorrow night. And if you were going to pick a game to win, whether it was Wednesday or Friday, that was the one that you needed to win against the Boston Celtics. And unfortunately they fell short. They had to win it. They had to, had to win it. It was a costly loss in Boston for sure. Atlanta continues to to roll. So, I mean, you know, Atlanta's doing its job, so Mm -hmm. you can't really... 
you know, the, the Raptors have been really good. What, nine and four in their last, I guess, 13 games? Like, they've they have put their foot into the ground as well, but they're basically locked in to the ninth seed now. I think they have to win both their games and see Atlanta lose both mm-hmm. their games in order to uh, leapfrog them. Because I think it's a one-and-a-half game deficit now uh, behind Atlanta. And we've talked all, you know, last few weeks about how costly it is. Now they have to win two play-in games. Now they have to win one on the road and then or one at home and then go on the road and win in order to make the playoffs. So it's really disappointing because Boston, as you mentioned, just did not put their line their best no lineup. No Tatum, out there. no Smart, no Al Horford, no Peyton Pritchard. Lot less to deal with if you're the Raptors and you played all your guys. You got Gary Trent Jr. back mm-hmm. in the fold, but nobody aside from Pascal Siakam really had anything to offer. Everybody disappointed across the board. We talked about the bench stepping up against Charlotte. We saw none of that. I think it was a one for 13 night for Freddie from beyond the arc. I mean, that kills you. If if there's one thing that determines the success and failure of the Toronto Raptors from game to game, it's whether Fred Van Vliet is shooting the ball well or not. He was, sorry, one for 12 and two for 14. There you go. Field goal. Met you in the middle a little bit there. But that's that's not that's both even. That's going to sink you more often than not. And that's the difference between the Raptors who were hand, they were gifted an opportunity to stay above the 500 mark and stay in touch Mm -hmm. with the Atlanta Hawks, but they could not convert on what was that golden opportunity. And now they have Boston, Milwaukee to close, and you're probably going to get less of an effort from Milwaukee, but it doesn't matter if you get less of an effort for Boston because you just got the least Mm -hmm. amount of effort, I guess, they could throw at you. I don't think they could give you less on Friday. You're going to see Tatum. That's probably the last tune-up for him. Before the playoffs, and your and it doesn't really matter because you put yourself in a position where you basically need a miracle to get into that eight seed. A disappointing, disappointing loss for Toronto. Uh, let's hear from Fred VanVleet because yeah, that's that's not good enough for a guy that's going to be a one-two punch with Pascal Siakam. Hopefully, this postseason um, to shoot that way. He did have a moment there where it looked like he injured his hand. Um, kind of fell on it, funky. Um, looks like it jammed his left thumb. Nick Nurse did say that post game, um, but here's our buddy Fred Van Vliet on the podium, kind of taking responsibility for last night's loss. Yeah, I mean, I think every loss is frustrating on different levels. Um, you know, we played a pretty good game for the most part. You know, execution was there. You know, I wouldn't give it an A plus by any stretch, but um, we fought, we competed, um, we made plays. Uh, obviously, we lost the second quarter um, by nine. But yeah, I mean, six from 33s, you know, it's going to be hard to win like that. You got to make every play down the stretch, and we didn't do that. And certainly, um, you know, this one's on me. I can't, I don't know if we're going to survive two for 14 and one from 12 from three. So just got to find ways to be more effective. Uh, and, um, you know, I'll take full responsibility for this one for sure. He's been a little hard on himself. Full responsibility, but certainly uh, a lot of responsibility. A decent, yeah, yeah, a decent chunk of it. I'll give some to Nick Nurse as well. I, w- I mean, I was mostly locked in on the fourth quarter, uh, flipping around a little bit, uh, trying to consume everything last night and mm-hmm. getting home from hockey myself as well. Uh, so locked in on the fourth quarter and just really disappointed to see Pascal Siakam not come back into the game until four and a half minutes left. Like, yeah. this was kind of... I don't know if it's 35 minutes last night. Very, very important. 35 minutes on the second night of a back-to-back. Maybe that's a lot. Jakob Pearl only played 23 minutes. I don't think I, we don't think we saw him in the fourth quarter, at least not much, but Siakam only coming back and the game was there. So he could have made that difference and, but it wasn't enough, but him not. Yeah. I know he was huffing and puffing, played a lot in the third quarter. A lot of it was on him. He was the sole reason that Raptors were able to stay in that game. But if he's in back in there a couple minutes, 
before, maybe he could have made a difference. Maybe he could have swung uh, everything into the balance of the Toronto Raptors. I, I just thought he needed to come back in the game. The, the fourth quarter kind of slipped away from the Raptors. It seemed it was moving very quickly. You know, a timeout and getting Siakam in there might have uh, done wonders for the Raptors and may have changed the, you know, the, the complexion of the season, the reality of the play-in tournament if they were able to find a way to win that game. That was, it was, it was right there. It was so available. It was there for the taking. And it just seemed like they couldn't make that big play, get that big stop, make that big shot. And the, the chances of making that big shot are far greater if Pascal Siakam's out there and taking it. Especially the way that Fred was playing. Um, all right, let's just run through, just to confirm up here, the playoff scenarios so everyone's in the same boat. So Chicago lost on Wednesday. The Raptors officially can't finish any lower than ninth in the East. They can finish seventh if they win out. Both Atlanta and Miami lose their remaining games. So we said that's a slim chance. They can finish eighth if they win out and Atlanta loses out. Miami plays the following teams, uh, Philly, Washington, and Orlando. Atlanta plays the following teams, Philly and Boston. And Toronto plays Boston and Milwaukee. So the Raptors will likely finish ninth and host the 10th place Bulls next Wednesday at Scotiabank Arena. This is all likely, not confirmed, but if the things lay out the way they should, Raptors next Wednesday at Scotiabank Arena, possibly against the Bulls. And the Bulls, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, are playing some pretty good basketball right now. A dangerous team. Like, I don't think we should be penciling in a victory there, per se. Uh, it's going to be tough no matter what the opponent, but if you have two chances to win one game as opposed to having to win both games, it's a big, big difference. And unfortunately, because Atlanta has stayed hot and the Raptors have been able to, unable to capitalize on opportunities despite a pretty good record here in the last couple of weeks, it's looking like the tougher road is the one that's going to belong to Toronto. They don't make things easy for themselves, do they? A big win Friday against Boston, maybe there's a chance. We'll see. It would be quite difficult to get to that point okay so a couple more things here um last night the other other viewing experience was the canadian women starting their tournament against the swiss at the international uh women's worlds here in brampton um for uh not not the biggest not the biggest win um for nothing i had expected it to be a bit more of a blowout as i mentioned in the wake and rake i was over three in my women's worlds picks hey we're all rusty we're all rusty You'll bounce back. Um, but I'll say the atmosphere at Brampton looked incredible. I can't wait to get down there for one of the games. I'm thinking I'm going to get to Monday's game versus the United States, which would be pretty damn good. Um, four nothing win comfortable, but still, you know, eh, Switzerland. I had teed up how they were like uh, outscoring them 170 to two mm-hmm. <laughs> in their careers. Switzerland's uh, coming on a little bit though as a program. They have, no? yeah, they definitely have some younger players that are starting to make some noise, but they haven't, you know, been traditionally the most dominant of teams but we, we that's the great thing about seeing growing the game like japan got out to a one nothing lead over united states france not so much uh, against finland yesterday but the biggest storyline out of yesterday's game was natalie spooner who's making her return to the national team after having her first child on december 6th mm. it is now april 6th so think about the time there it's pretty crazy it's, it's an incredible months. story. And she didn't just step on the ice for the first time yesterday. She's been back in the training program for probably about a month. To have a baby, to come back, and to score the first goal of the tournament, it's just storybook stuff. They show her and her, her husband and her son, Rory, in the crowd. And it was just it was really, really special. Um, that's just the 
just testament to how hard these girls work. So great to see Natalie Spooner get back on the board early on in the tournament. Um, same with uh, Rebecca Johnson and Sarah. Both Sarah scored, Sarah Nurse and Sarah Fillier, as we talk about those two being kind of like the, the future and the present of where Hockey Canada is at. Sarah Nurse obviously coming off a pretty incredible Olympics, same with Sarah Fillier, who's come on the scene, and people are saying she's like the next Marie Philly Pelin. <laughs> Big shoes to fill, but looked pretty good. And then uh, Anne Renee, who's the netminder that we saw win gold, only had 12 shots to stop, nonetheless, did her did her stuff um, last night. So a good start. United States also played yesterday. They won 7 1 over Japan. I was watching that one for a little bit. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're both powerhouses here. Canada, United States looks like it's going to be a march to see them play. And that'll be Monday night. But Canada has two more games before them. They play the Czech, Czechia. It's now, that's it. Yeah, Czechia on Friday and then Japan on Saturday. So, okay, since we're always sizing these two teams up, Canada, the United States, first impressions from the tournament. I guess this Canadian team is largely the same. Yeah. You said the United States team has made changes. Mm-hmm. Those changes look like positive ones, dangerous ones. Does Canada yeah. look like the more proven outfit through one Canada, game at the time? Canada's definitely the more proven outfit, if you're going to put it that way. Um, they just traditionally have had this core for the last little while, and they're looking good. They They don't look like they have rust to shake off in terms of acclimating new players and new lineups. The Americans went with a different process this year, which was the correct process, I believe. If you're going to look at um, your lack of success over the last what Olympic cycle in general, the World Championships and winning uh, silver at the Olympic Games, something needed to happen drastically, I think, for the United States. So they, they added an influx of young players, some new faces in the national team. I do think that that's going to even out over the next couple of days. It looked a little bit not like they didn't have the chemistry, but they're, they're working through some things. But it's the Americans. They ended up winning 7-1, so I'm not too too uh, concerned about them. But they went a different process in Canada. I think it'll be, come down to is a team that's got the championship pedigree, the culture, the um, the makeup that Canada has. Can you continue to do that again and again and again? And the United States kind of have these young girls with less pressure on them because this is their first time. And they're just kind of like, free reign out there like they're mm-hmm. just they're just ripping around they're young they're right out of college they have a, a pretty young team so i think it's going to come down to canada just holding strong and believing that they can continue to dominate and yesterday with a four nothing win wasn't you know it sounds like you're complaining about four nothing win still looked pretty strong they had six pks to kill i'm looking a little physical out there so wasn't like a, uh, a six steam pks rolling. to kill and keeping it to 12 shots it's, pretty know, good it's you know you're working on not that you're working on your defensive aspects, yeah. but your defensive aspects proven to be effective if you can shut down the opposition on the scoreboard, but also survive six penalties without giving up a lot of shots and having in Marie Debien overly tested. Yeah, she did pretty well. Um, anyway, if you get a chance to go down to CA Center in Brampton to check it out, you should. It looked awesome. It looked like a really, really rowdy, fun crowd. So. Two games this weekend before the United yep, States Friday on Monday night. and Saturday, and then Monday's the big, uh, the big one against the United States, so covering that Alrighty. so see you we'll down have, there we'll get uh we'll get, haley owes you one we'll get haley salving yeah, we'll on, on monday and set that up sounds good to me okay keep running through the toronto sports scene we have the toronto maple leafs against the boston bruins we love this game big rivalry between these two um leafs are at the garden tonight in big the boston week it is we're gonna see a lot of boston raptors leafs then raptors <laughs> this would be a good time to TD go garden. down to boston if yeah. you you know just rip down there on porter a quick burp, burp. little shout out to Porter. Okay. Hey, I, that's how I got there all the time. <laughs> I got to say, I love that airline. So 
Don't they give no you like shame. champagne and stuff? Yeah, it's like, it's just, you walk to Billy Bishop Airport, you can show up honestly 30 minutes before your flight. You just, the lounge is chill. Just the flight is nice. Everybody's friendly. There you go. Billy Bishop's a dream. Pearson. It's just, it's nice. Anyway, <laughs> it would have been a nice time to go to Boston, I'm saying. You mm-hmm. get to, to see it both. But Maple Leafs back tonight, and they have the return of Ryan O'Reilly. Been teeing this up for a while. And centering a shutdown line, a shutdown third line with yes. Alexander Kerfoot and Nola Chari, which leaves us still with that second line of William Nylander, John Tavares, Mitch Marner. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on that? I am not surprised that he's starting on the third line. Are you surprised he's not playing with one of those three? Actually, that's that's no, no, because I'm not. I guess the other flip side of that is that Matthews continues to play with Michael Bunting yes. and Callie Yarncroke. I'm not. I'm not surprised whatsoever. I am very much in the same same boat of having him start on the third line. Like you're going to go also in here against Boston. It's not like you're starting on Saturday night against Montreal Canadiens. Who I mean, traditionally the Leafs aren't like steamrolling them either because. <laughs> They find a way to beat the Leafs. Um, but Boston's a very tough team to play against. It's a huge rivalry night. It's not going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be quite physical. So to have Ryan O'Reilly on a third line centering his own, getting a little bit less ice time, I believe would be the best start for him. I'd love to see how they switch it up for the remaining five games at this point. One, two, four, five. Three, four, five. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, this is the right, this is definitely the right place to start him. Yeah. I don't know if there's something to not showing Boston. The full hand. I, I don't. I don't know, think I don't, Boston thinks about. I don't know if that they're playing coy, uh, but but at least they have something to like build off of, or something to work with when you're putting on your putting together your own matchups. If the Leafs mm-hmm. do in fact get to a second round and play Boston, so maybe they're being a little bit cagey with things. I think it'll be more applicable against Tampa next week. Doing that, uh, I wonder how much things move around though. You know, we only have a couple games left here. Uh, and I expected O'Reilly to be in this position. I didn't necessarily expect him to be centering Alex Kerfoot and Nolachari. However, that does seem like a capable shutdown line, a line that could play against pretty much anyone on the competition or with the competition and at least give you a break even. Uh, it looks like Ryan O'Reilly's role is going to be one of the shutdown variety. And frankly, I think that's the right move. I don't think you should be trying to cure John Tavares with Ryan O'Reilly. I'm not sure that's the best move because I think speed was an issue uh, with that line, even though they had that prolific outing in Buffalo. Yeah, you're going to have games like that, but you're also going to have times where you're just getting overrun by the competition because those two guys just simply are not burners. So uh, I feel like if you have a Ryan O'Reilly centering a third line, you've got superstar talent or star talent at the very least on three lines. And that's a good position to be in, in a playoff series against a really good team. I do wonder if he hadn't just missed the last 14 games, where we'd be, right? Like, that's a lot of time to have acclimated to this lineup to come in post-trade deadline and find the fit. That's not the way it went. But 14 games is a long time to be out of the lineup. Um, Here is Keith talking about the decision to put O'Reilly on the third line in tonight's uh, return to action. Well, we we just wanted to get him in center, which is the first thing. So there's that, and then I just like the other lines the way they've been, so that's a natural fit. But uh, obviously, with O'Reilly in that spot there, he's going to have a lot of defensive utility, so playing him with with players that can defend really well, 
makes the line better. So I, I just think there's some really good elements there. We've gotten a lot out of the camp line. I think there's another line here now that we can, I believe, will be able to add to to the depth of our team in terms of matchups and stuff that we can just roll over the boards and play fast and and uh, make it tough on the opposition. And with our opponent tomorrow, we're going to certainly need that type of depth. It's very soft-spoken. Very soft-spoken. He likes the Nylander Tavares Marner unit, eh? Well, he did say lines, and that is plural. I guess he could be talking about Bunting, Matthews, Yarn, Croak, and Aston Reese, Camp Lafferty. Frankly, I haven't seen anything that I really like out of Nylander Marner Tavares mm-hmm. yet. Uh, it just feels like you need, well, he talked about defensive utility. Maybe you dif- need different aspects of utility in order to find balance or achieve balance on the second line. I would be shocked if we saw those three playing together to start the Tampa series. But hey, you never know. I think the one thing that's more pressing, you see any of Tampa last night, the highlights, Tampa and the, and the Rangers? I did see some of the highlights, that yes. That was a tune-up. That mm-hmm. was physical. That was intense. That was emotional. Sergachev lo- uh, is back too. I would love to see a little bit of that in at least one mm-hmm. of the games down the stretch for Toronto. If no one even like breaks a sweat, if no one has... Uh, you know, any urgency at all. There's no fight. There's nothing. You just Then you're going into the playoffs cold. Tampa and the New York Rangers looked at each other last night and thought, hey, let's get ourselves to that playoff intensity level. And Corey Perry was in a bunch of fights and it was physical <laughs> and it was nasty. We got to see a little nastiness in a Maple Leaf game before the playoffs start. I would think that's or tonight. we're basically playing shinny into round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And frankly, that's not... It's a bit unsettling. It's a bit unsettling if it's essentially fake games for two weeks leading into the postseason. I just don't know how you play Boston on the road in Boston and it not be like that, right? Especially if you have Ryan O'Reilly coming back in the lineup. No Lachari revenge game. Mm-hmm. It does take two to tango. Like they, they could just be like, oh, you want to have a tune-up against us? Eh, okay, so really, are you tuning up really against Montreal Canadiens? Well, Montreal might get that might be Montreal Super Bowl really the yeah. last game that matters to them. Florida I, loves I, to play against. Leafs. I hope Tampa. Florida's the probably yeah. the, the prime candidate, and I think Tampa's uh, second half of back to back. So maybe it'll be hard for that one to be mm-hmm. as fiery as you might like. There are candidates for this. I really, really hope we see the Maple Leafs approach a game like Tampa and the New York Rangers did last night. You need that. You need to see it. Here's O'Reilly talking about this because jumping back into the fire against Boston uh, isn't an easy task. He's obviously been ready for a little while, and he's mentioned that publicly, like, I'm just waiting for the go-ahead. Fingers fine, ready to go. But he's, he's playing against the league's best tonight. Uh, how, how does that make him feel? Yeah, well, you know, Boston's been, you know, as you know, the best team in hockey. You can see, obviously, the results and the points they have and, and such. And, you know, I think it's a good uh, test and a good first game for myself, you know, going in going right into the, you know, the fire here. But, um, you know, I saw them once this year, but I guess earlier in the year, and obviously you, you see them play, you see the highlights of the team. You know, they're, they're a consistent team. You know, it's like they don't deviate. They, they stick to their structure and, you know, they're consistent with it. And I think that's you know, a good lesson for ourselves and it'll be good playing them to, it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be a tight checking. It's going to be physical. It's, uh, yeah, it's going to Got a playoff feel to it. Text lines wondering if this is a litmus test. I think it could be. It depends on Boston, though. Boston can do whatever they want. Boston just <laughs> dangles whichever carrot it wants to dangle in front of you. Mm-hmm. So if they're like really fired up, I really, really hope the Maple Leafs match that intensity. We have that sort of game tonight. I just get the feeling, though, that the vibe's off, that it's not going to be 
as important or as intense or as meaningful as we might want it to be. They're 9-1-0 and in their last 10 on a three-game winning streak. That's Boston they for They could you. just decide, hey, we'll just... They flip whatever switch they want to do. we want. Anyway, that's tonight, 7 p.m. Uh, Leafs at the Boston Bruins. 2-10, first pitch, Blue Jays against the Kansas City Royals. And the Masters tee off while we're on the air. So we will do our Masters picks during the Wake and Rake at 8.30, even though they might have already started. That's not going to sway us. If somebody well, I gets a hole in one on the first hole, I'm not picking my we're players not, we're differently. Not, we're not even going to look at the leaderboard, but we, I have pre-tournament lines yes. in, our, in our cheat sheet here. So we will choose from where, you know, we will choose lines from where they went off for the Fan X Cup. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to give you, what, five prop bets each? So yep, we're going to do a couple props. full betting spectacular in the Wake and Rake for the Masters. Very excited for that. And we have Adam Stanley joining us. He is our golf writer and analyst. He is going to join us from Augusta. I can't wait to hear hopefully some birds chirping in the background. The weather's not supposed to be great this weekend. I think that that's going to be a, buying a master's branded umbrella. He probably will be. We'll have Pete Blackburn joining us at seven uh, NHL correspondent at Bali sports, of course, big Bruins guy. So we'll have to get him on to talk about how great their year has been. And then as I mentioned, Dan Shulman at eight, we'll do the wake and rake, um, a master's heavy preview. You can send in your picks at five ninety five ninety, whether that's masters, whether that's tonight's games or wherever you'd like to go. We'll take a break. Cause we got an A list on the other side. That is, once again, just Masters heavy. Sports at 590. The fan. Now it's time for hey, yo. the A-List. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. What's up, baby? Okay, I got a couple things here Masters related for you this morning. Scotty Scheffler's Masters champion dinner was revealed the the menu was revealed last month we went through it uh firecracker shrimp tortilla soup steak or redfish as main course but one of the items was cheeseburger sliders served scotty style and nobody knew what scotty style meant Mm. they didn't care to explain on the menu they just put it out on twitter and said go for it so the mystery was solved what scotty style cheeseburgers means Turns out he just likes to have fries on top of his cheeseburgers. Oh, I thought I was like, there's a 100% chance that I was going to hate this, but I'm down for that. He puts some fries, like it's a cheeseburger with all the toppings, tosses a couple fries and then puts the bun on. What is the utility of the fry on the sandwich? Soak up some of the mess? Like, what is it? I feel like it's similar to why I put a hash brown on my Egg McMuffins. Okay, so, so why do you do that? A little bit of starch a little bit of you got two, crisp you got two buns I've just got a little bit of crisp i think uh, if, a little if bit it, of salty oil grease you, yeah. <laughs> that's what <laughs> it is it provides you with a crunch i get it but fries immediately within yeah. in that situation would just kind of melt not melt but like get they, soggy they could get soggy i feel like it's just more aesthetic I, to me i'm like i i would i could go the rest of my life without not, without having this I'm not running to the Masters Championship dinner to have Scotty's style cheeseburgers, but I will say I've never once seen that before. It's unique. It's his thing, Scotty style. It's his style. I thought it was going to be 17 condiments, and I was going to be horrified. So, well, you don't even shout like out to Scotty the Shuffler. look of 
one condiment in the restaurant just being there in the bin. I set the line on condiments at 0.5, and if it's a slight over, I'm okay with it. If we're going way over, it's no bueno. Well, there you go. Scotty-style cheeseburgers confirmed. Would you eat that? Five ninety-five ninety. We're going to probably indulge in some of the new Blue Jays foods at the ballpark today, including something that also has french fries on top of it, a poutine dog. We might be having that today. Cannot confirm nor deny, but stay Hopefully. tuned. Fingers are crossed. At this championship dinner, um, Scotty's dinner, um, we heard that there were some people in attendance, including Phil Mickelson. Apparently, he did not speak at all. Did not speak at all. Didn't say a word. Multiple players have come out and said that he was just there and did not open his mouth. Which is very not Phil, at all. right? Like this guy probably doesn't shut up in social situations normally. You think it might be a little awkward in there? Now I've thrown a pity party before. Many times. But like at the master's dinner? Like just put on a brave face, buddy. Just like it's, it's, you're not the center of the universe. You're there. Eat the Scotty style sandwich and just, you know, you don't have to draw attention to yourself. But he's just like, he's kind of a baby. He's a baby. Not to say anything. That you're saying a lot by not saying anything. Oh, yes. That's true. Um, okay. Here's another one for you. Seamus Power yesterday did something that is one of the rarest feats in golf. Not only just in golf, but certainly at the Masters. So they have their par three contest. I don't know if you got to see any of that yesterday. Um, that's been going on since 1960. Now, Seamus hits an ace, which is a pretty incredible thing. A lifelong goal for many of us listening. He then hits a back-to-back ace. So two hole ones on eight and nine, and the place was as loud as Augusta can get, mm-hmm. <laughs> respectfully, for this. I don't know if you can go bet a Seamus power hole-in-one. You can, because I looked, and I might have. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty, pretty incredible to do that, and you just got to be feeling good going into this. There is a par three course, uh, curse, rather. Mm. Uh but he didn't win the par three contest, so maybe he's okay. Maybe he just gets the best of both worlds where he gets to be the story at the par three contest, but doesn't win it and therefore is still eligible to win the Masters. It's crazy that you don't win after you get two hole-in-ones back to back. They should not, just award you I, it. I'm never really into the par three contest for whatever reason, but it is like a juiced up course, right? Like mm. there's a lot of par there, You can see a lot of hole-in-ones normally. Not like you don't get like a handful or like everyone's hitting a hole-in-one. But you get it, you put it in the right spot, and you get the right roll-up, and you get the crowd. Like, they, they definitely made it so that it's a little bit easier to get a hole-in-one, or a lot easier to get a hole-in-one, which is all exciting. But uh, I don't know if it'll translate to him immediately getting one when the real thing starts in a couple hours. Stranger things have happened, Justin. If you played that course a hundred times, do you think you'd get one hole-in-one? No. Not even Or the part three course? Yeah. I think you could do it. Maybe. We've golfed together before. Maybe. Because you just have to put it in the right spot. But I mean, I don't think I'm... I don't know just if I'll ever one. get a hole-in-one. It's, mo- it's purely... I don't not have the purely. green enough. It's pretty lucky. I think you Very could do lucky. it out of a hundred times. You would have the luck once. Imagine that. Imagine, be, like, if they gave the, uh, me the opportunity to play that par three course every day for a hundred straight days, I would you be... You would get one. I'd be like, I need a sabbatical. I'm doing that. Yeah. We would grant it. On behalf We'd of Rogers, I would grant you your sabbatical.
to go. Um, Mick in Orangeville just texted in. Scotty Sal, pfft, people have been putting fries on their che- cheeseburgers at McDonald's in Australia forever. Well, I haven't been in Australia, but is it come made place. to order with the fries on it? I wonder if you say like, or do you just that's you the thing Australians do? Interesting. Um, Mike from Mississauga says, let the morning show know that the water around the course has dye coloring added to make it look the way it does on TV, and the bird noises are piped in through speakers hidden in the trees and bushes. <laughs> it's all a fraud. Well, maybe we won't hear the birds. Actually, that would be more of a tell if we hear birds through all the rain and yes. like treacherous if they weather. They just forgot to press pause or on their headspace app. All the rain will blow up the speakers. Damn. Did that just like it pulled the curtain back on nah, fake Augusta? Just ignore it. It's pristine. Um, one more here. Listening live for once, driving to the cottage country with the wife. Shout out to Tiffany and our two dogs, Reggie and Harriet. Baby Friday. Reggie and Harriet. And I said, cottage oh, yeah. season already? I said, it's got to get away. James on the 401. Shout out, James. This is when cottage people have to work, right? You got to open the cottage. Yeah, this is when you're like, ugh, we have a cottage. It's the worst. Yeah, you got to put in like six straight weekends you gotta of work. You got to get the boat in. You got to... Yeah, there's some winter damage, maybe some ice from the dock. Like, it it screwed things up. We're probably still thawing, but... Really? You were the last one up in Muskoka. Big well, big I mean, Lake was, Joe guy. Just frozen at that yeah. point. But, like, you know, we're, we're coming down to it. It's time to work for the cottage folk. I wouldn't know. Cottage you folk. You know more than me. Hey, James on the 401, what do you got to do at the cottage yeah, today? What kind, of, what kind of labor is happening up there this weekend? Like you, you're opening up. Like when people say I got to go open up the cottage, like what does that entail? I feel like May 2-4 is like the open this up time. This seems pretty but early. But if you're going now, you're doing stuff to try and get it ready. April 6th, this guy's grinding. He wants to get out there day one of, you know I what? appreciate the full year cottage people. Hmm. Those people put in the grind. That's an effort because those driveways don't plow themselves. Unless you're rich. Yeah, that's true. I did get an email yesterday from my uh, uh, building I live in that our rooftop is now open. And that was the happiest I've been in a long time. It's probably pretty cold up there still. Yeah. I might have went up there and been like, yeah, okay. Nice view. you did get up there. You're just rushing I wanted to go see if they did anything different in like the off season. (laughs) The off season. (laughs) It's like the Rogers Center. Just like a whole new rooftop. I wanted to go check it out. Do a ribbon cutting. Nobody was up there. Poutine dogs (laughs) Nobody was up there to cut the ribbon for me. (laughs) But it is open, which means we're right on the cusp of of spring and excitement. Uh, Darren says, I still on the Kortha Lakes. Well, yeah. We're not there yet. All right. Let's take a break. We got Pete Blackburn on the other side. Angel correspondent at Bali Sports. Adam Stanley for our Masters preview, um, our Sportsnet golf writer and analyst. And, of course, Dan Schillman joining us, the voice of the Blue Jays here on Sportsnet. Full day ahead. Send in your wake and rake picks at 590-590. And we'll chat Leafs Bruins on the other side of the break.